Hello friends and welcome to the latest Kings of Anglia podcast. It's been a little while, but glad to be back with you. My name is Mark Heath. I'm your host as ever, mostly. Um, and with me, I'm pleased to say, the dynamic duo, the boys in the know, the wit and the mind. It's been a while since I've been able to say that. Let's go to Stuart, Dr. Watson, first of all, Stewie. How are you? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. And your partner in crime, of course, the man with a million names. I like to call him Hutch Hogan, but there's there's several other names for him as well. Hutchie, Andy Warren, how are you? Hello. Uh, yeah, very well, thank you. What are, what are my other names? I can't. Uh, I call you Hutchzilla, Michael Hutchins, uh, Adolf Hutchins. Adolf Hutchler, never really caught on. That's my personal uh, favourite. <laughs> Alfred Hutchcock, uh, Hutchie Darmus. <laughs> I've got quite, I've got quite a few. I can, I can reel them off. There's some others um, that we don't say to your face as well. Yeah, there's, a, there's a few lot more less favourable ones, shall we say? Um, oh. <laughs> blue, blue toe. Mister Toad. <laughs> I can't. Super Superkins. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, to be fair, I've got some new glasses recently, which make me look even more like Superkins than the original. Outstanding. Um, kind of chunky Perkins. <laughs> originally, I used to look like normal Perkins. Now it's kind of chunky version. But Perkins, like to... Perkins nonetheless. I would love to see you hosting the Bake Off, Hutchie. That would be something I'd, I'd love well, to she, see. Well, she, she just jacked it in, didn't she? Like, I, could, I could have taken over. I'd have done it. I would, I would have paid to see that. Um, boys, we should mention, obviously, it's been a little while since we um, we last did a pod all together. I was off last week. You boys did one, um, I think, after the, the way kit was launched. Uh, and then last week, you were, you were planning to, to record one in my absence, which I'm sure would have been straight fire in the booth. Um, but unfortunately, Stuart, you had a little um, little accident at home, which meant that the... Uh, <laughs> that's he wet himself. <laughs> yeah, we, should, we should probably clarify that, Stuart. So you were all ready to, to record, and then... Um, your little door had a had a bit of an accident. Uh, yeah, yeah, she fell off the bed and broke her arm. Bless her. So um, yeah, we had a bit of drama last week. Um, so she is now in a plaster cast from shoulder down to fingertips. Um, thankfully, no surgery required. That was a bit touch and go for for a couple of days. But um, yes, we now have the uh, the fun and games of um, trying to keep her fairly still for the next four weeks. But um, all, all is well that ends well, hopefully. She broke her elbow, didn't she? Which is um, something that I also did as a child. And it's, it's, it was a very painful thing because at the time, obviously all those years ago in black and white when I did it, um, you couldn't actually have a cast on your arm. They just put you in a, a splint, which meant every time you moved your arm, obviously it hurt. But she's in a very... Fit- Wait, plaster casts weren't invented when you were a child? No, no, they were. But they didn't, they didn't um, cast the arm for a broken elbow. Oh, okay. when I did it, um, in the same way as like when I broke my collarbone, they they can't cast that either. So again, I was in a splint. Well, yeah, uh, I get that you you can't cast a collarbone for yeah. obvious reasons. But are you saying that the sort of science opinion has changed now on on elbows before they I think, didn't do those? I, I think it was pro- it's probably easier now. They've got those fancy fiber fiberglass casts, yeah, which okay. uh, which I was in, very fetching pink one as well, which uh, I would have gone for as well all those years ago. Um, boys, what's the what's the most painful thing you've ever done? Just on a random aside, um, stepping on on an upturned plug, I think by general consensus is is the most painful thing you can do, isn't it? What over your whole life in terms because you've broke your leg, Stewie? 
you know what? Breaking my leg didn't didn't hurt that much. It was a fracture, and I think um, as long as you don't put weight on it, I, for me, I don't know. Maybe I got lucky that the, the bone ends weren't touching, but I didn't find that that painful. I tell you what, I did. I'll tell you now what the most painful thing was was root canal. Oh, tooth pain. That is right up there in terms of pain, is it not? I've never had it, but um, that I can imagine is horrendous. Just the very idea of that is uh, is pretty bad. Hutchie, how about yourself? Um, broke broken arm, um, broken wrist. Really, my left wrist. I broke it um, playing rugby at school, but it didn't hurt straight away. I actually got up and carried on playing because I'm because I'm hard like that. Double hard, yeah, um, yeah. But then. After the incident, because it was so cold, it was like November. I genuinely couldn't feel it. But when I got inside to get changed, the pain was just excruciating. And it turned out I'd broken like both bits of the, your your mm-hmm. arm bone, and it needed needed surgery. So um, yeah, that was when when I eventually felt the pain of that. That was um, that was really bad. Did you make the tackle? Uh, I I held on to possession of the ball. I was being think i was i think i had possession and i i maintained possession which of course is is vital absolutely um, but the uh the body weight of um of callum butcher <laughs> uh, <laughs> caused me significant damage because my elbow got kind of plugged in the dirt but if you can imagine my elbow in the dirt but my whole hand facing up oh, the forearm oh. facing up so his body weight was on like crumpled my wrist down um yeah not as good lord um KOA army get involved let us know what the most painful thing you've ever done is um i'd certainly say probably collarbone like stewie says i broke my collarbone clean through playing football um and when the bone ends actually start to touch each other again and kind of rub against each other that was like having electricity shoot through your body uh in a bad way not there is not there is a good way to have electricity shoot through your body Anyway, I digress. Boys, let's talk about Ipswich Town. It's been a while, and there's some sexy stuff to start off with. Normally, back in the day, do you remember when we had a studio and we had little beds to, to do? We had Colour Me Bad and uh, all that sort of stuff, the little uh, little jingles. Uh, who knows when we'll be back in the studio? So in your head, listening, uh, sing along, I want to sex you up, that sort of stuff. Um, but Stewie and Hutchie, run us through sexy stuff. First of all, goalkeepers. There was a bit. Of, there was a bit of breaking news yesterday, Hutchie. How how sexy is a free en- free agent goalkeeper coming in to train uh, and do a bit of running with uh, with the squad? Well, if the web if the web <laughs> <laughs> if the web figures are anything to go by, it's quite sexy, mate. Yeah, it's um it's interesting. Remy Remy Matthews is the goalkeeper who uh, who trained. Um, with Ipswich on the first day of pre-season on, on Wednesday and um, he's probably training with them as we speak at, on Thursday lunchtime. Um, he's free agent, left Bolton at the end of last season. He's a player that Ipswich have, have looked at before last summer, um, but they couldn't really get a deal done last summer and Ipswich ended up going for Will Norris. So he's clearly a goalkeeper they like um, and he's in, he's in their training. So it, at this stage, it, it absolutely is a favour. He he lives locally. He's a Norfolk boy, former Norwich Academy graduate. Um, he and he requested to come in and 
and train with the club, which they allowed them to do. But certainly not impossible that that goes further, maybe at some point, although that he has got significant interest in him from, from championship clubs and, and some teams abroad as well, I gather. So um, certainly not a, not anything that's going to happen in the immediate future. Mm. And there's there's another keeper potentially in the mix as well, isn't there, Hutchie? Oh, yeah, David Cornell, he's one that has been linked regularly over the last six months, kind of three times or so, but he's he's absolutely a goalkeeper that they like. Um, he's They've watched him five or six times. Um, they like him as well, also a free agent after leaving Northampton. Um, my gut feeling is that he's maybe the more likely if they do sign a goalkeeper, but signing a goalkeeper... Um, certainly isn't top of their list of priorities at the moment. Um, this is where they've got a problem, is it not? Because when you're then going to buy a goalkeeper and it's not top of your priorities in terms of budget and you've got a reasonably senior goalkeeper in Thomas Holy, that's quite a hard sell, isn't it? Come come to Ipswich, you may or may not be our first choice keeper. And by the way, you're at the, the thin edge of our, thin wedge of our, mm. our budget. That's that's quite a difficult deal to get done. Well, this is I think this is what could prove the big issue with Matthews, to be honest. Um, if it and and even with Cornell, actually, both both of them have got interest from from Championship clubs. They would probably be a backup goalkeeper at those Championship clubs, you'd think, wouldn't you? Um, but you're going to get better money as a backup Championship goalkeeper than you are as a backup with a slightly better chance of starting in League One. Well, that was Holy's situation yeah. last summer, wasn't it? There was a chance to go to championship clubs and probably be back up or come to a, on paper at least, ambitious league, league one club where you've got far more chance of playing. And that's that's the decision that, that he yeah. took. So, um, yeah. We'll... What on earth is that? That was my phone. Did it give you a bit of feedback? It sounded it's... like like a roaring kind of walrus. Yeah. Oh. Just vibrating, sprinkled with Chewbacca, sprinkled with fairy dust. I got as well. It was quite nice. (laughs) Did it give you electricity through your body? The good, the good, the good good type. Was it breaking news, Stewie, or was it just? Uh, No, uh... it's our faithful driver Barry Kent. He of Ah. um, Scarlet Lady fame. Just I assume, just uh, just checking him. He's probably uh, unhappy at the the fact that uh, both Hull and Wigan were relegated from from the championship last night, <laughs> adding significant mileage and depreciation of value to his car. Uh, we'll talk about that in, in due course. Um, let's return to sexy stuff. So that's the goalkeepers. Um, in my week off, have I missed any other links in terms of incoming? Because obviously we've got Flynn Down to talk about as a potential outgoing, but any more incomings to talk about? Um, I think all I can add is that we get little bits and pieces of, of information um, in terms of what they're trying to do, we'd kind of reported last time we spoke that the striker is very much high in their priority list. And uh, I now gather that, that a centre-back is also very much um, high in the uh, priorities as well. So um, I think they'll probably go down an experienced route. I don't know what that will mean for, for Luke Chambers, um, whether they feel they need a new voice start planning for for a new leader Luke Luke will be 35 in in September um now in the final year of his contract so 
but it's pretty prudent to start sort of planning for the um, succession to him at some point. So that will be very interesting if they do go for a uh, a proven centre back. The uh, the dynamic and the um, the fallout that that might might create with with Luke Chambers. So we'll see on that score. Okay, um, Flynn Downs then, obviously linked with with a big money move away in the summer um, and also back in January linked with West Ham, Crystal Palace. Um, there's a big price tag on his head though, Hutchie, you understand. Uh, a massive price tag for a League One midfielder. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, we should probably start at the other end of the, well, not quite the other end, in the middle of the, the price tag spectrum, which was yeah. a, a report last weekend um, with, in The Athletic, which well, it was a link to Crystal Palace um, also in that report saying that Ipswich's, Ipswich's upper end, the figure they were holding out for was £4 million, um, which provoked quite the reaction from from fans. I think many many of whom thought it should be a lot higher than that. We look, looked into that a little bit more um, and basically were, were briefed by the club essentially that 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 that's very much not the case. There's a, a significantly higher price tag been been put on his head than that. Um comparisons made to, to Luke Wolfenden, for whom Paul Lambert just a few months ago was talking about him being a touching ten million pound player. Now to me, achieving that fee for either of those two is I just cannot see that happening. But not a maybe, chance. No, there's no, there's no way it's going to get that high. No way. But may, maybe, maybe what it does say is just signal a, a desire not to sell, because there's a, a realization there that these these two players. I know Luke, Luke Wolfenden signed a new contract, but he's still worth talking about here. That that both of those players aren't going to depreciate in value over the next twelve months, barring a horrible injury, which we obviously hope doesn't happen, mm. and will be will be worth more next summer in a non-coronavirus world, hopefully. And possibly even with Ipswich Town back in the Championship, um, so that's that's what it says to me. I don't think they're suddenly expecting to be able to sell these players for ten million pounds. That's horribly unrealistic, but it does maybe suggest their stance on the deal. I mean, the rec- the record League One fee for for a midfielder is, is Deli Ali, isn't it? Like six, or was it um, Fabian Delph? One of the two, but in the region of six million. Um, Stu, what's your take on the whole Flynn Downs thing? Ten million is is clearly way over what realistically they're going to get, isn't it? Yeah, I, I kind of read that as a bit of a negotiating tactic to almost put a a realist and a completely unrealistic price tag sort of slapped on him. I mean, yeah. like, we're basically we're told that Marcus read that report or was aware of the headline that came from that report and was keen to kind of filter uh, back to to the media, to us, that, you know, we, we want a lot more than that. Um, but I, I think Ipswich are in a position to basically just wait and see if anyone wants them so much that they'll they'll go higher and higher. Um, I think they're in a pretty decent position with them both contract-wise to, to, to hold on to them for another year and then see, like, like Andy says, you could be worth double that now. But right... If we put our emotional connections to them both aside and look at this kind of objectively, they're both players that have had good season, one good season at, at League One level last season. And that Flynn's a little bit more advanced in terms of having played reasonable amount of championship football. 
Wolfenden has, has been on loan in League Two. He's had one good League Two season, one good League One season. And I, and we've discussed before, I think, Wolfenden's got big potential. He's a modern-day centre-back, but there are some raw edges that, that probably need developing. Downs, I think there's there's more to come from as well. But their league, they're, they're, they were good players in a mid-table League One side last season, and that's the bottom line. So if you suddenly think you're going to be getting anywhere near £10 million for them... You, you can dream on. Um, I, I see some sort of fans going, oh, you can stick a zero on that or you can stick a one in front of that. And um, uh, yeah, that's, that's, mm. you know, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know what? I, I actually think that four million figure floated by the Athletic is probably bang on, if I'm yeah. honest. I, I, that, that's where I would be at on, on it, between three and four million pounds, which they're, they're worth more to Ipswich Town than they are to anybody else at the moment. Um, if that's, yeah, that, that's, if that's, that's it in a nutshell, thing. isn't it? That is it in a nutshell. It's what yeah. they're worth to you versus what they're worth to others. And I think the tipping point will be that ultimately they'll they'll end, they'll remain Ipswich Town players. Is is my gut feeling at the mm. moment? Yeah, I also gather that that Palace are, are well short of that four million as well. So it's not like they're pushing up against it and are ready to to click their fingers on that. I think they're that they may not even be halfway towards that in their valuation of him. Um, so I'm not sure that's one that's going to happen from, from that particular move. Let's uh, let's play the theoretical game then. So say say Steve Parrish comes in from Crystal Palace, slaps his balls on the table along with four million four million pounds, and says, "I want Flynn Downs." What are you saying? Put your balls away, Mr. Perry. <laughs> that is not how we do business in this establishment. It's an unusual negotiating tactic, I've got to say. But um, what? So the four million's there. Take it or leave it. Are you taking it or leaving it, Hutchie? Um, I'm probably, I'm probably leaving it. I'm probably leaving it. But it depends. Do I own the club? Can I do you, with it what I want? If you want, yeah. <laughs> Because, because I'm not I'm not sure what I'm not sure what for. We talk about this, don't we? About where the four million is going to go, how's it going to get spent, that kind of thing. Oh, but from a purely business point of view, I would I would turn down that money now and um and roll a, a little bit of a dice there because I can't really see how he's you won't get that same level of offer again next summer. Mm. Stewie, you agree? Um, there's a hell of a lot you can do with £4 million um, at League One level this year and there are multiple areas of the squad that realistically need strengthening if Ipswich are going to be serious promotion contenders and the name of the game, as we've seen with Ipswich in the past, we always refer back to selling Dyer and, and then going out and building the you know, three or four additions that ultimately turned Ipswich into a team that could get over the line in terms of promotion, so if you can do that, that's the name of the game. That's the whole point of having an academy is to is to create assets that enable you to strengthen elsewhere. But these deals are, are structured so that you know you don't get that money bang up front. It's drip fed in, so I don't know what it would whether it would necessarily enable them to go out and do loads of stuff this summer. How much of it would kind of be swallowed up by by Marcus in terms of offsetting the, the huge losses that he's, he's made over the last six months with, with the coronavirus. Um, I don't know. Um, 
four million pounds up front would would tempt me mm. big time because I think it's the one area of the squad where they have the numbers as well, and that you know you could you've still got Nolan and Hughes and Skews and Dazelle. You know it might create a bit of room for Dazelle to to kick on. Um, Bishop, the, the list goes on. Dobra, El Mizuni, you know, so you can then, I think you could probably manage that loss and then go out and sign the players that we've we've discussed, a, a striker to relieve some of the pressure on Norwood, a, an experienced centre-back, um, mm. a winger, uh, an improved left-back on, on Kenlock. Um, that, that's the balancing act. It's, it's a tough one. And I'm sure the, the, the issue is these sort of big sales tend to kind of rumble on the negotiation tactics kind of go on the whole summer and then they tend to happen right at the end of the window and then you've run out of time to go out and and spend which is you know has happened before with with Waghorn and another player so they don't want to be in that position either mm. interesting stuff time will tell it's a good segue there Stewie that you, you offered me there in terms of talking about players that um town need to sign because you've done something which has been well read already this morning online your verdict on on the play or the, the positions that town need to target this summer if they if they're serious about a promotion push next season do you want to just quickly run through that and and show you're working out although not in full doctor mode because we <laughs> obviously uh, we have we have work to do this afternoon but um j- just talk a little bit about that you you've mentioned the positions there but j- just run through them again striker center back left winger left back and Goal, of- goalkeeper possibly of those, you, you come to a conclusion in the piece that's, that's online. People can go and read it now. But in terms of priorities, you, you reckon there's two there's two positions more than more than others. Yeah, I, I just think the spine of the team is is crucial, and I just think there was too much pressure on Norwood, which people forget it was his debut season at League One level last year. I think they put too many of their eggs into that basket, and I think that's why they're they're looking for for another striker. Uh, and why another strike is needed, uh, and I, and I do think centre back is is vital. And I, I know they've got four centre backs at the moment, but beyond Wolfenden, who we all hope will will take another big stride forward in terms of development, I've got doubts over all the others really. To be honest, I think Chambers. We've talked about him so many times, but I, I did watch back a lot of the goals from from last season recently and. He did look a little lead and footed um, on multiple occasions, and no one can question his his leadership and his bravery and and lots of qualities that he brings to the party. But there are there are definitely question marks over him. Enciala, his confidence looks shot. No no idea what he's going to return from Bolton like. And Wilson, he's he's solid. He's no frills, but. Is he is he a top end League One centre back? Not so sure. So that they would be the two areas that I'd be looking at, and then secondary in terms of priorities, I think that whole left side needs needs improving. I think that there's a real lack of of left footers in the squad, um, and uh, so that that's where I'd be going to next. I found it really interesting in that piece as well, Stu. You're talking about potentially re-signing Luke Garber, which we know is, is probably unlikely. But if they were to bring him back, you'd, you'd see him not playing in the left-back position, but on the wing. Yeah, uh, Ipswich signed him as a, as a left-winger. Lambert always talks sort of cryptically about, I've got a role in mind for him. Mm. Um, 
they signed him. He went to Oxford and, by all accounts, wasn't particularly good when he first went to Oxford as a left-back. He lost his place in the team for a prolonged spell. And it was only when he came back into the team as a, as a left midfielder, more advanced, that, that he really started to hit form. And Ipswich signed him as that. He started the season on the left. You know, that good start coincided with with him on the, the left of midfield. Um, and I just think that's probably where his, his best position is. I think when he did fall back into to left wing back or left back, I thought there were times where, you know, he... he <laughs> There was several players that could carry the can for for some of the failings in the second half of the season, but he wasn't beyond beyond criticism uh, with that. I remember what, what was the game where he did a ridiculous tried to a ridiculous flick in his own yeah, Blackpool defensive third that that Lambert really wasn't happy about. Um, he would cost a big bulk of your your budget in terms of wages, Garbert. Everton have been paying him a Premier League wage for however many years twenty odd thousand pounds he's going to have to take a significant cut on that um but he will still be a top end league one earner if Ipswich want to go out and get him um I wouldn't be signing him as a left back for that sort of money Mm. Hutchie what's your take on your your esteemed colleagues um saying there in terms of the the positions at Tanny target you in agreement there I'd agree I'd certainly agree on the striker front um but I'd also I'd probably want that striker to be able to play one of the wide roles because we don't know what what system Ipswich are going to go into the season with. Um, I, I do. I've always I've always liked four three three and variants of it, but for that you need wide forwards. They haven't got them, so I'd want I would want that striker signing to be able to play one of those roles as well. Which is why that why Johnson Clark Harris at, at Bristol Rovers is a decent a decent fit there. He's left footed. Powerful, quick, can play down the middle, can play wide. Um, he ticks some boxes there for me um, because he can he can help alleviate that pressure on Norwood that Stu spoke about, but he could also play with Norwood. Um, and then Jack Lancaster on the right excites me as well, but there's a fair way to go before we're seeing him playing every week, I think, but it does excite me. And, and then you've got Dobber in the mix. But um, I think I would probably be more keen on a new left-back than a centre back. We'll talk about centre back in a moment, but I'm not I'm not dead against Miles Kenlock, but there's there's clearly a reason why three managers for Ipswich have not trusted him to be to be the main man there. Um he's never really had the run of games. He's done good things, he's done bad things, but um for me for me I think I want a a proper a, a proper left back in there at least to give him the competition and I know we talk about Tristan Nyden being able to play being able to play at left back but that's a big big ask he's a midfielder we saw him play there a little bit in pre-season last year and he did it okay uh, before his, his ankle break thankfully that's all a lot better um now but I wouldn't feel hugely comfortable with those two being the only kind of left back options Donassian can play there as well but even still I'd want another one. Um, central defender is an interesting one because I see I see the need for one. I can see what I can see what you're saying, but for me, for me, you need to get this Ipswich team scoring goals. And if you if you can get an Ipswich team that's scoring goals, there's a lot less pressure on the defence. And I think the Ipswich defence over the last two seasons, the Ipswich defence has has been put under an extreme amount of pressure 
by the team's inability to score, meaning that ev- every mistake they make is highlighted and they get punished at, at times where, you know what, if Ipswich were capable of scoring three or four goals in a game, if they conceded one, you still get three points out of it. Um, I'm I'm talking a lot here, but I've, I've got more to say. Can I, uh, can I, can I say some more? Preach, brother. Preach, brother. Um, um, if I was going out to buy a new centre-back, look, Luke Chambers isn't going to go on forever. And I could fully... I could fully see this being his last playing season at the club, definitely. Um, but I would want you want a player in his mould as a successor. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't be looking at kind of a a player in their sort of mid, early to mid thirties. I, I would want kind of a, a 27, 28 year old meaty, gnarly mm. defender to come in there. Um, assuming Wolfenden stays. To partner with him, but even even Wilson, I think I think Wilson would look a better player in a team that wasn't wasn't under pressure at the back and and were able to score goals and play on play on the front foot. If you look at Joe Royal's teams from from oh three to oh five, um, that team conceded goals, um, but they scored an awful lot of them as well. And while they didn't get over the line in the playoffs, they were they were a really exciting team to watch and challenging for automatic promotion. So. Um, that's the end. This ultimately is, is my big concern because we've talked a lot about lots of different positions all bar central midfield because, you know, there's a lot of traffic there and you need to try and get a tune out of what you've got. But can can he get a tune out of what he's got? Is there enough goals and creativity from central midfield that will create the supply line for Norwood slash a new striker to alleviate the pressure on the defence? Everything we've just said... Is there a solution in house? There's plenty of numbers, but is there the correct solution there? I, I, I don't know. But they're hamstrung with it really because they're not going to be able to downs aside. You're not going to be able to move any of those guys on if you do have doubts out of them. So that's that's the the major concern for me. I think I think you can I, honestly. I think you. I think there is in there. My 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 big problem with the Ipswich midfield and and indeed the wide players over the last 18 months or so is that there's not enough there's not enough ball carriers in there there's a lot of players that like to pass the ball and move it around the pitch but there's not enough players in there that like to run with it and move the ball like that and that's why I'd be looking people like it like Lancaster was a, a real disappointment that he wasn't able to play last season because he can run with the ball he can move it if you can get a left-sided player that can do that run with it and move it play downs in there he can run with the ball and, and move it but then if you've also got the younger players like Idris Elmazuni and Dobra who can run with the ball, move the ball like that. And I think I think there are some senior midfielders in there that may find themselves may find themselves not not as involved as they might have thought they would be. Because for me you need you need players that can run with the ball as well as simply just popping it around. This like a midfield of Hughes, Nolan and skews, for example, there's there's a lot of decent passing ability in there and ability to retain the ball, but not enough to penetrate and um, make chances. Yeah, Hutchie, Hutchie, just going back to uh, what you were talking about earlier, the meaty, gnarly centre back sounded to me like you had someone in mind. Uh, no, 
not really. Just a general type. No, just in just in general. I'm not talking an absolute bruiser here. They need to be able to play footballer as well, football as yeah. well. But but someone with a bit of just with a bit of grit who's got experience, played a lot of football somewhere else, but but hasn't got tons of miles on the clock. Someone that's going to be part of the team. Because look, the end game here is to to. It's not just to get out of League One, which is, has proved hard enough already, hasn't it? The end game is to then be competitive in the Championship at the other end. And I think with what they've got, if they can get playing and making chances and creating things in the final third, I think the defenders that they've got, maybe barring a left-back, are OK for the job. But Luke Chambers isn't going to be OK for the job in the Championship for two or three years, is he? So... Mm. I think you need someone that maybe is a longer-term successor to him. Mm. Good, sexy stuff, chat. Um, before we move on, I'm, I'm thoroughly engorged by all this chat. Um, just I'll throw that in there. But before we move on, we get in the obviously we take the temperature of social media a lot in our job, uh, and something that comes up every year is why haven't we signed anyone yet? Um, as other teams start to make moves, Stewie, do you want to talk a little bit about that? I mean, that is is something that's often a frustration, but. What what can you say about about that kind of common complaint? Um, I guess the first thing to say is these are not normal times at the moment. Um, but even even in a normal transfer window, that that is always kind of thrown about quite early on. People get sort of itchy about why haven't we done anything? And all managers set out to say we want to do our business early and we you know we want to get them prepared over pre season and bedded in, but. <laughs> doing transfers is increasingly complicated now with with various agents and and middlemen and um you, you know who will blink first negotiation tactics and things so it's it's not always easy um i'm sure there are players now that it switch there's there's going to be hundreds hundreds and hundreds of free agents this summer more than than ever before and it which probably could go out now and and sign some of these up straight away but you know, if they're not right at the very top of your list, do you want to just get someone in because they're available, or is it, is it wise to kind of wait and see what your best options are? Again, that's the gamble, isn't it? That you you don't move on others; they they go, and then you don't get your top targets, and and then you're stuffed. But um, there's some good players that have started to move. I mean, we're talking about the centre back that's of a, of a decent age um uh, max aimer who's just left from gillingham to, to bristol rovers he was their captain part of a gillingham defense that didn't concede many goals at all last season he was someone that possibly in, in my mind would have would have ticked some of those boxes that we, we spoke about but that caused a bit of a, a bit of a fuss hasn't it that move have you seen mm. um gillingham um scally at, at gillingham having a a bit of a pop at Bristol Rovers' uh, financial situation over the last few years and pushing the boat too far and things like that. That's um, that particular move's caused a little bit of a caused a little bit of a drama. Is that Scanton snoring? Can you hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's very loud. Is it? Do I need, yeah. do I need to move him on? No, he's fine. <laughs> he's move like him a, on. He's like, like a drunk. He's like a drunk on a park bench. Uh, He's, he's basically bust in the studio, uh, invited himself in, demanded a, a tummy tickle and gone to sleep, which is, uh, to be honest, that's how I'd like to live my life. Um, boys, moving on from the sexy stuff, and that was that was, that was excellent chat. I can't um, stop hearing it now. 
Shall I move him? Do you want me to move him? Is it going to put you off? That's therapeutic. It's going yeah. to, it might send me to sleep. If, any, if anyone comes and tickles my tummy, I'll be off. <laughs> I hope it's not passing comment on the quality that's coming out of this podcast studio <laughs> today. Um, boys, before we move on to mailbag, we've got a lot of mailbag, as ever, which is great. Um, in terms of things actually happening this week, the players were finally back in training yesterday after God knows how long. Sue, you, we described it when we when we spoke yesterday. You described it as uh, as kind of highly paid footballers jog around field after five month paid holiday. Um, but obviously, it's always interesting to see the players return. No one had, had really gone full lockdown belly, as far as I could see. Although I didn't see any pictures of Norwood, who would be my my tip for that. Um, and yeah, for my for my money, the most interesting thing to come out of it: Luke Wolfenden's hair. First of all, he's gone kind of flowing blonde locks with an Alice band, which uh, I'm not sure I endorse. And also just how tanned Luke Chambers was. Um, if, if anyone in the, in the town team is going to have a home tanning bed, I'd imagine it would be Luke Chambers. He's obviously been out and about in the sun a lot. Uh, but good to see the boys back, wasn't it? Finally, back on the grass, even though it was very different, obviously. There's a few hairstyles around. Em- Emily Hughes has gone kind of Alice bandy. Has he? Jack- so I think Jack Lancaster's gone Alice Band and Top Knot. Oh no, that's not um, good. So yeah, there's some there's some hair around. What did you make of it, Stu? What the hair? Everything. Good to have him back. Uh yeah. Yeah, it's just another little step towards football returning. League one football returning, isn't it? Um we're all very sort of uh, this September twelfth date is is getting talked about in more and more confident terms from people within the game, but there is still this doubt in the back of my mind, a bit like I'll you know I'll believe it when I see it type situation. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it, it was nice to uh, to see them back again, and uh, makes us feel like we've got something to kind of uh, build up towards now. Yeah. I, I'm always most interested, A, in, in how the players look and, and hair and stuff when they first come back. But also, I always think first day of training means bleep test. I don't know if they would have done the bleep test in individual groups yesterday, because obviously they're training in small groups. I really want to know if Flynn Downs defended his title, because I'm told that he won it by some distance last year from Jordan Roberts, obviously dearly departed Jay Robs. Um, so I'd love to know who won the bleep test, boys. If you can find that out, that's that's the kind of info that I think we should give the listeners, because that's generally a sign of the fittest player at the club. Um, well, they haven't done it. They've um, not done it yet. No, but my I'd be backing. Um, I'd be backing John Nolan. After, yeah, true. After his uh, his summer exploit, his jogging exploits from the last yeah. few months. Extremely rapid five k times that Nolan's turning in. Um, I also asked on social media who do you reckon finished last, and there's also pretty much a unanimous vote for Norwood again. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what that says about the perception of Norwood. But um, can you can you see anyone else finishing bottom of the pile there? Norwood can run and run though, can't he? I know there is this perception about him almost having a bit of a Sunday league mentality, almost with the the, the whole package of him sort of having come from lower down the pyramid and the social media and uh, stuff like that, but. They signed him on the basis of like fitness was one of the major things. If you watch him in that playoff final for Tranmere, you know they're going like deep into injury time and he's into extra time and he's still sprinting down centre backs and uh, stuff like that. So I, I think that might be a bit of a 
a myth of perception around Norwood. He, you know, he, he can run. Do uh, do goalkeepers do the bleep test? No. I assume they probably do. Or do they just run side to side? What, like a crab? Like a crab, because that, that's the speed they need, isn't it? I, I, think I don't see why they should be let off. I think they should be in it. I bloody hope they're not let off. Everyone should have to do it. It's terrible. Mm. Can you remember doing that when you were, you were kids, boys? Yes. Yeah. I, uh, true fact, again, another diversion, but um, I once did the bleep test on a TV show. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was when I was sort of, I think I was about 12, 13, and uh, one of these kind of late-night ITV uh, chin stroking shows like the, it wasn't the South Bank show, but something along those lines had, t- had taken a bunch of kids from inner city London and brought them out to the sticks to to do the bleak test against inverted commas fit um, youngsters from Suffolk just to see how much the fitness levels were different. Uh, and yeah, they were quite different. A lot of the London guys were panting before they even started. Uh, yeah, and I uh, w- one of the highlights of my life was winning that bleep test i got to level 15 um which i was i was pretty chuffed with back then so yeah somewhere in the itv archives is, is, is images and video of young heath running back and forth on a playground in suffolk one of the uh one of my finest achievements anyway i digress shall we get on to mailbag because we got... uh, can we hear more about i want to hear more about this because you've had some ridiculous brushes with tv like even your dog was supposed to be on tv last year wasn't he but yeah trying to recruit him did I ever talk about that on, on well, the pod? I don't know, but if, just say it again. Well, so we were, obviously we've got a, a celebrity dog, big deal in, in the canine Instagram world, Benson. Um, and we were contacted through his Instagram by uh, Judge Rinder. Not not the judge himself, that would have been amazing. But um, one of his researchers, who, who wanted to know if we were interested in going on the show. And of course we said, well, yeah, but what, what do you want us to do? Uh, but essentially they wanted us to lie and say that Benson had, had had um, befouled a friend or neighbour's furniture uh, and create a dispute in which um, Judge Rinder could uh, could preside. Uh, and we said, no, we can't do that because Benson is is a saint. God damn it. Uh, he would never do anything like that. Uh, and so we turned down the uh, the kind invite, but they were trying to put us up in a posh hotel and all sorts. You can't um, lie in court. Exactly. In front and of a judge. Exactly, in front of Judge Rinder, who one of the uh, the selling uh, bits that this producer or, or researcher tried with us was that Judge Rinder himself has got a bulldog and therefore we should feel a kinship. Um, but no, that, that so that never came off. But that was that was interesting. Just, uh, just goes to show when you watch Judge Rinder, obviously you watch it thinking this is 100% true. This is a court, like you say. There could be no perversion of justice or indeed lies going on. It's a little peek behind the scenes for you there. Caden Jackson was on. Was on judge. Is it Rinder or Rinder? Judge Judge Rinder, Rinder, whatever. Yeah, he he was on that, wasn't he? Judge Rinder uh, is probably more accurate. Yeah, yeah, he was on there. Um, do do not ask him about it. <laughs> okay. Well, because he was probably asked to make up a story as well, I'd imagine. So he doesn't want to talk about it. It involved smashing up a war a wardrobe that got smashed up in a um, premiere inn or something. Um, yeah, it could well have been made up. I reckon it was. Anyway, enough of my um, my brushes with fame. Uh, mailbag. Should we go on to mailbag? Hutchie, can you provide the tune? With a backing vocal of a snoring dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Mailbag, mailbag. It's time for Mark, Candy, Stu, and Benson to dip into the mailbag. <laughs> I was hoping he'd time one of his snores to do the doo-doo then, but he's he's not into it. Sort yourself out, Benson. I doesn't give a fuck. Um, Kevin, how likely is it the clubs wanting to block the September restart are going to get what they want? The ongoing drama, after the ongoing drama of when to end the season, the the when to start the season drama is, is still happening. So what's your latest understanding on that, boys? My cat's come to join us now. <laughs> Amazing. What is going on? If you've got a hamster or something, Stu, you can, you can... No, I've got no animals to bring to the party. <laughs> <laughs> um, tiger, come on. Pipe down. Um, I think it's going to happen. On I think there's going to... I think... I think there'll there'll be a decision on that soonish, um, mm. but I, I think it's heading that way. I do. I, I've got to say, I, I don't often like um, particularly in, enjoy the communications that come out of Shrewsbury, um, but there was a suggestion from their their chief executive recently, Brian Caldwell, talking about um, delaying the actual start of the league season to October, at which point some crowds will be allowed back in hopefully um and using the september the weeks there in september from the 12th to play the group stage of the efl trophy which um to me makes an awful lot of sense given given that not let's be honest not that many fans go to those games anyway it, by the time we get to that point it might even be that those games are allowed to be used as like pilot events, test events for, for Portman Road, for example, with a very, very small crowd in just to kind of work through work through a few things. Um, I quite like that idea. Um, you're still getting the season started in September. You're removing midweek, potential midweek obstacles for later down the line so you can you can schedule the league, the league season a bit tighter. Um, I quite like that. I quite like that idea. I see, see a lot of sense in it. We shall see. Nigel G. Stewie, Nigel G. Friend of the show. Thank you for your service. Um, Nigel, who I note, by the way, has, has changed his, his Twitter bio to say that Honey Badger is no longer a thing. And we'll go on to that in a bit. But anyway, Marcus Evans goes on a spending spree and allows Lambo to buy one player who will automatically agree terms from each of the Premier League Championship and a top flight European team. Which three players would you advise Lambo to buy? Stewie, Premier League well, champion. First of all, that's a far too bloated squad, Nigel, because you're going to end up with one player from what? Prem, Championship and Top Flight. Top Flight European side, yeah. The squad's going to be huge. You're going to have 20 Premier League players, 24 Championship players. No, I think, I think, he, means no. One, one, I think he means one from each, my friend. So you're taking one from the Premier League. One from the championship and one oh. from the so three in total. So which three players, if you had that that power, and and you probably do, Stu, because you're a big deal. Uh, Premier League, championship, and, and top flight European side. Who are you? Who are you picking? Take the lad, Messi. I think he's he'll probably <laughs> do a job. He's yeah. decent. Yeah, uh, that's number one. Um, championship, Hutchie. Who are you taking from the champ? Ollie Watkins. Okay. Left-sided striker. Which leaves you left with the Premier League, Stu. You're taking from the Premier League, of all the riches in the Premier League. I watch very little Premier League football at the moment. I think I would go for 
I don't know, someone someone young, Greenwood. There you go. I like I like Greenwood. I haven't yeah. seen someone strike a ball as crisply and as sweetly as him for, for a long time. And there's potential yeah. there. There's... He is on flames, isn't he? He, he, was, he? he scored like 18 goals this season. Incredible. Um, Martin Code with a good question. When are you going to revisit your pre-season predictions? Top marks for anyone who predicted a global pandemic. Now, this is obviously something we'd normally do, but we couldn't really do just me and Hutchie. We needed the the, the, the whole team, including Roscoe, to go back. Um, so it's probably not something we're going to be able to do now because that moment's gone. In terms of predicting a global pandemic, I went back and looked at my notes. And second, under surprise package, I put number one, Danny Rowe, and then number two, I put global pandemic, which which ends football. Hmm. So I should have gone for that. That's a regret. You jest about people predicting global pandemics, but um, Dominic, Dominic Cummings, didn't he, in his, in his blog, he, he pretty much, uh, he was pretty big on the old pandemics. Um, yeah, he was uh, after a timer, shall we say, um, going back and changing yeah. history. Yeah, so he did. And also top marks to the person who put the insurance in place for Wimbledon because they were the only people of all the major sporting events that had a global pandemic clause in their insurance. So, Is that um, right? Yeah, yeah, Amazing. yeah. So they were well sorted. <laughs> um, Andrew wants to know, some interesting hairdos on show at the return to training. Which style would you take for each king? He says, I think Stu would suit Wolfie's new lock. So, Stu, you're going from your your kind of uh, shaven head at the moment to a flowing blonde mane with an Alice band. Is that something you'd you'd consider? Uh, I have had sort of hair of of that length probably a little bit longer, uh, probably of a similar age to to Wolfenden, actually. So um, if anyone's interested, uh, I'll get those on social media at some point. Um, Let's just say probably the hair gods decided that my crimes against hairstyles deserved meant I deserved uh, for it to all fall out. You were punished. Mm. <laughs> In that case, I, I should have gone bald at the age of 15. I mean, my, <laughs> my hair was a disaster. Um, Hutchie, what, what about you? Hairstyle, obviously we know that you've had the same hairstyle since you were born. Um, but if you were to change your hairstyle for one of the town players, who would you go with? Not changing it. I'm going, I'm going standard standard haircut which is james wilson just standard haircut he's just had he's just had his haircut there's no style there he's just cut his hair to the appropriate length um which is practical and then when it gets too long you cut it again that's me no frills (laughs) uh, hutchie i'm disappointed that you haven't sort of throughout the the lockdown period sort of committed to the hair and ended up in a james norwood situation who was sharing pictures (laughs) of him looking like um one of the robbers from Home Alone. I, ima- I imagine that's what your hair would would sort of turn out like, would it not? Yeah, um, I-, I thought it would too. I've only actually had it. I've had it cut professionally now last week, but during I normally have it cut once a month. Like bang on, has to be cut once a month, otherwise it's ridiculous. But I only had it twice cut during those four months. But I think it might just reach a natural limit and stop, kind of. And just not grow any further, which surprised me because I was expecting it to be longer, but it just didn't. I think, just, I think I think I've got natural boundaries. It just starts kind of policing itself after a while. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Um, it, we should also mention at this point, in terms of haircuts and and general hair, you ran into friend and colleague Ross Halls, didn't you, Hutchie? I did, yeah. Roscoe and his beard is 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 running wild, brother. 
Yeah, he. Um, I think he's had it trimmed as well, and it's still pretty noble and long and thick. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's all right, Ross. It was it was nice to see him. Just bumped into him on um, on Foxhall Road. I miss Ross. Well, I think we all miss Ross. We missed the strike. Ross, unfortunately, in, in lockdown, has developed a, a kind of affliction where he can only take a picture from side on. Um, he has to take a picture of himself looking into the middle distance, which I, I tackled him about. He says that's his thing. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we'll have Ross back with us soon. Um, I, I want to know all of the incredible new things that he has discovered over this sort of prolonged period, because w- we've established that he discovered oranges, didn't he? Um, yeah, pr- around prawns. The time of that. Prawns he, he suddenly discovered. Yeah. Think of the wealth of, of new things that he will have been able to, to find and enjoy. Which that, That's a whole show on its own, isn't it? Ross Ross's lockdown discoveries. Amazing. Um, Peter Dwerry House normally asks very uh, kind of uh, life or death questions. This is quite routine for Peter. He says, is it make or break for Dazelle this season? I thought he should have played more last season, especially after a very good performance against Coventry. Surely he needs a run this season. I, th- I think it was used to you, wasn't it, saying in terms of Dazelle, that you always felt a bit sorry for him. He's just kind of plonked in for a game. And if he doesn't play very well, he's out again, this, that and the other. So is it make or break for, for Andre this season? Uh, it has to be. Yeah. Final year of his contract. No op- option's been taken now. This this is it for him for for him at Ipswich. If he has another season where he's just parachuted in for two or three games here or there and is part of a big midfield rotation churn, then then that's it. I mean, he may already have that in his head now. He may have already thought that you know it's time for me to to get games elsewhere. There was a time when he could have moved on. There was serious interest in him, but I think his his links to Ipswich have have kind of kept him here. And um, he's he's not been given that run, has he? Um, that that's where Lambert's got a big decision in midfield this year. My, my my worry is that the temptation will be to kind of juggle everyone and try and keep everybody happy, and then at the end of it, you've not developed Dazelle. Ultimately, you've decided that actually Hughes isn't going to get to back to the standards that we want him to be. So he gets released next summer. He's in the final year of his contract, and what? you get to the end of this season it's another season wasted you haven't developed your younger players you've had to let go some of the more experienced ones and what have you gained from it all are you laughing at Benson snoring it's getting, yeah it's getting it's getting he's, he's working his way up now he's got levels he goes through he's approaching kind of biblical now as he as he rattles the floor don't um, let him rattle you, Stu, because I think you made some really good points about Andre Dizel. don't let don't let Benson tell you otherwise it's it's no comment on what you were saying Stu he's just lazy um, Dave Gore asks about the EFL season uh, saying we need the EFL to lead this and make some decisions I think everyone would, would agree with that Dave um, Nathan King a tender of the KOA Live what are your hot takes for the 2021 season gentlemen can we all provide a hot take for next season that's a podcast in itself isn't it indeed Maybe we should maybe we should leave that and and do that as you say, just a hot take podcast. That'd be good. I reckon. Let's keep that into touch then. We'll we'll, we'll put put that into the long grass, as they say in management, uh, Nathan. But we'll definitely come back to that. Mike King 
A number of rival clubs have already made signings. It feels like we're slow off the mark again. Asked about transfer activity. We've already talked about that, Mike, but thank you very much. Andy Muck says, great to have you all back. Which road trip are you most and least looking forward to next season? And for you, is, a, is it a cold Twix bar or a warm, gooey Mars bar as your snack of choice? Boys, we haven't actually spoken about, obviously, that we know three more teams are going to be in League One next season. Um, it's going to be like a little mini championship, isn't it, with all the um, inverted quotes, big sides in League One next season. So, with everything that we know, road trips next season, what, which one are you most and least looking forward to? The only, I think the only new place for me is I've managed to avoid ever going to Barnsley for a game of football. Mm. But they didn't even go down, so there's nothing for me. You haven't missed much there, mate. Nothing. Barnsley was where they had a condemned stand, wasn't it, Stu? I remember you telling me stories about hellacious working conditions at Barnsley. It's a bit like going back in time when you go to, to Oakwell. Um yeah, not not the greatest uh, conditions. There's a charm about it, but I'm, I I didn't shed any tears that that I haven't got to go there this season. Um, you've got you've got so you've got like Hull, Wigan, Charlton. There's obviously Sunderland, Portsmouth, Peterborough. There's a lot of big sides in, in League One in terms of kind of sides you, you traditionally expect to see in the Championship. Is there anywhere you're looking forward to going next season, Stu? Or anywhere you're really not looking forward to going? I've never been to Northampton. Bizarre enough. So, um, I once went there for a game and it got snowed off about half an hour before kickoff. So, turned around and went straight home. So, um, yeah, bit of Northampton, please. Reasonably close as well. What about worst away trips, you reckon? Obviously, you've got to go to Plymouth next season. Mm. Yeah. Ah <laughs> oh dear. Um, and, then, and then second part of Andy's question, you got a choice between a cold Twix or a warm Mars bar. Which are you taking? Cold Cho- chocolate should be kept in the fridge, and uh, I know nonsense. Be a Ab- that. Absolute nonsense. You're talking at your rear end there, but okay. So you're taking the cold Twix, Hutchie? I love the Mars bar that's been been in your pocket and got a bit got a bit sweaty. As long as, long as it's not completely congealed. If it's just a bit warm, I'll take that because I, I don't I don't want my chocolate in the fridge. And what I don't want, particularly don't want in the fridge, is the caramel element of the Twix. Oh I yeah, want, I want that to have a little bit of give in it. Um, so I'd I'd probably take a cold Mars bar and a warm Twix. I'd chuck I'd chuck them round the other way completely. Warm Twix every day. What's your What's your uh, chocolate bar of of choice, boys? Twelve. Great choice, Siri. It's between a double decker and a boost currently. Oh man, double decker is so underrated. You like Criminally. a bit of nougat in there, do you? Mm-hmm. Criminally underrated. I'm going Snickers if you're asking. Right then, serious question. This from Andy Gray. You have to put your hand up as to who wants to answer this. He says, "I feel you boys, that's us, have an opportunity that many of us don't. You're a voice to senior individuals within the club. I personally don't think you've asked why we still have a manager in place who's quite clearly not getting us." where everyone believes we should be. He wants to take that then. He, Andy's saying is we've it, not... Is this Andy Gray of Richard Keyes and Andy Gray fame? Sadly not, no. Um, it's Andy Gray who's got a big love for the game of arrows, meaning darts. Um, so he's saying we, we haven't asked why Lambert's still in charge. I'd imagine in all the interviews that we've done over the, over the period of time, 
that question's come up, has it not? Um, who who would we are we talking about asking senior figures at the club? So we don't we don't have any access to Evans. People people are aware of that. Um, we've written new in terms of sort of the the coverage that we've done. I think we've we've pretty much spelt out how disastrous last season was in in no uncertain terms. I've written pieces when the season got called off. Mark, you wrote a piece. Andy, you wrote a piece. I don't think we've ducked away from spelling out how how much of an underachievement last season was. Could I've I've had one interview with Leo Neal since we've come back, in which a lot of it was centred more around the current coronavirus situation and moving forward from there. Um, when Paul Lambert comes back to doing press conferences, whenever that may be. I think he'll probably be surprised that people want to look back to last season. In his mind, he'll probably, I can I can picture the situation now, the scenario now that Paul will kind of be, oh, you're, you know, his favourite one is, oh, have you got a wife at home? Oh, she, what, she, you know, she must be. Uh, what's it like for her living with someone who's so depressive and stuff like that? But mm. people, there will need to be a conversation about last season. There's been a lot of sort of comments about learning the lessons from last season. I, I think we probably need to drill down a little bit more on that with Paul. What are the things he regrets? What will he do differently? How much was it an underachievement last year? Um, I don't know how much he'll engage in that sort of chat, but there will have to be those conversations at, at some point. Hutchie, you actually had a, a chat with Paul, didn't you, after the, the season was ended, in which you, you kind of put to him that... Um... There were people not happy about him still being in a job, and he was—he was quite open in talking about that, wasn't he? At the time, I seem to remember. Yeah, that's that's when he said he—he'd he, learned from his mistakes. We talked about rotation, and he hinted that that's something that that he would certainly change. But like Stu says, it's, it's not something that you necessarily expect him to like really engage in. I don't think we're going to get a list of mistakes and remedies from him, mm. um, because that there aren't many football managers that are that kind of that kind of person really there's a foot football there's a lot of self-reflection but um not necessarily making all of that making all of that public the, mm. the club don't necessarily need us to spell it out to them or put under pressure or what however people want to think in terms of knowing that paul lambert underachieved last season marcus evans will know uh, that that is the the case, and I think Lambert and all of his staff will be well aware that they are going to be under big pressure to get it right from the start next season. Because it, they'll be deluded if they think that post pandemic everyone's going to come back and and have this new sort of new relationship with football. Oh well, you know, it's just a hobby; it's just a pastime. You know, be thankful that we've even got some football. Mm. Things will things will soon slot back into people moaning and groaning about football because that's the nature of the beast. We're already seeing that on social media and, and whatnot. So he he will be under pressure from from game one next season, and I don't really know that we can do much more to kind of spell spell that out. Um, mm. that's yeah, my yeah. I mean, thanks for your question, Andy. Much appreciated, and and thanks for listening to the show and, and following us. Obviously, sorry you you feel like we've not asked a. The, the questions but as you say Stewie we've all written fairly strong comment pieces about the shambles of last season it wasn't good enough etc etc 
Um, sometimes I think people wouldn't maybe be, I appreciate the passion, but I sometimes think that people maybe want almost as a stand up row with us shouting at Marcus Evans about why Paul Lambert's still in a job. Um, that if kind we, of thing. If, I, if, you know, if we were sat in front of Marcus Evans or Leo Neal now and said, do you, why is Paul Lambert still in charge? Or do you think he is the man to to get the club going in the right direction? What what do you expect them to say? They're not going. They're not going to say actually no. Good point. No, we don't. Mm. I'm sacking him now. They've you know whether you like it or not, they've decided to to stick with him um, because they believe that some stability is part of is part of the sort of plan to, to get things going. Um, we'll see whether that is the right or wrong thing in the coming months, won't we? Good stuff. Thank you, Andy. Um, Harrison Smith, if we don't get promoted this year, are we destined to be stuck in League One for the foreseeable future, particularly with salary, salary caps and possible regionalisation? Even if we do go up, how do we sustain championship level with our current squad and funding? I mean, it is more important than ever, isn't it, that town find a way to get out of League One next season with everything that seems to be coming down the track, would you say, Hutchie? Um, to an extent, yeah. Like, you don't want to be down in League One a moment longer than you than you possibly can. Um, the, the, the salary cap stuff, which does sound like it's maybe drifting on a year to next year, but there's going to be there's going to be a reckoning on that at some point, but Ipswich have got certain players that are going to be either not used towards that cap or their salaries are significantly decreased by some of the measures that are in there as part of that in terms of um, basically any player, any player that signed the deal before the cap comes in there, their, their salary is going to count as the average league one salary, which is 1800 pounds. So, so there's, there, there are players that are going to be exempt for that from that. So in terms of the salary cap, obviously you want to get promoted, but I don't think it's going to be, it's not this or bust for Ipswich this year, but yeah, you need to get out of it as soon as you possibly can, because Ipswich shouldn't be there uh, really. Um, although the performances on the pitch would suggest otherwise. Um, but yeah, you want, you want to get out of it as soon as you can, of, of course. Amber Redmond wants to know, have you ever had any of you ever had a dream about any of the others? <laughs> Um, have have you ever had a dream about Hutchie Stew? I can honestly say no. I no. I I I seem to have a, a situation where I never remember any of my dreams. It's really frustrating. My wife remembers pretty much everything she dreams about, but I don't. Hutchie, have you ever dreamt about Ross's beard? <laughs> um, not that I can remember. I'm not. I'm not a big dreamer. Um, not that I remember them anyway. You're not really a big sleeper full stop, are you? you I remember you're pretty much uh, nocturnal. <laughs> not anymore, mate. <laughs> Ash Freezer says, if we sell any of Downs, Wolfenden, Dobra, etc., I won't go back to Portman Road. And he says, if Chambers and Scoose are still the first names on the team sheet, I won't go back to Portman Road either. We don't need another keeper. Downs should be captain. Give Bishop and Dazelle a run of at least 15 consecutive games. Some solid thoughts there from Ash. What are you saying? Don't, don't, if you like going to football, don't get that angry about it. Just, <laughs> um, yeah, don't, don't deny yourself the enjoyment of going to football with friends and family just because Luke Chambers starts. That's, that, that's what I'd maybe, maybe say. 
Sound advice. <laughs> Sound advice. We've had we've had a myriad of questions from Big John Big John Watson up in up in Sunderland, who I believe is a head teacher. So best behave you boys. I'm going to take your first question, John, because you've asked a lot. And the first question for both the boys was: If the squad is to stay together and if people are fit, what would your starting lineup be and formation? Can you r- rattle yours off quickly? Of the current squad, Holy and Goal, 4-2-3-1, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, Vincent Young, Wolfenden, Chambers, Kenlock, midfield of Downs, Nolan, Bishop. No, I, I should tell you what, I like the idea of Downs, Dazelle, Bishop. I'd like yes. to see that yes. at some point because I think they're all, all on each other's wavelengths. But um, And then the front three is Norwood, Sears on the left, Lancaster on the right. I'm not sure on that midfield three. I still haven't made my mind up on what, what the, best, the best three is. Hachi? I've got the exact same team written down for that, but I'd be quite disappointed if that's the... Um... That's the starting lineup on the opening day. Yeah. No, no room for for leading scorer, co-leading scorer from last season, Caden KJ. Yeah, he he would mm. be an unfortunate sacrifice of of the system. Effectively, I think his form, his sort of surprisingly good form, I think surprised himself and those within the club of how well he started last season in a way, created a lot of the problems for Lambert in terms of them needing to play a front two because we know that Jackson can't lead the line on his own. Um, sometimes you might have to just decide what is your what is your identity, what is your style, what are your principles and, and stick to it. Uh, you know, I saw there was a stat around the playoff final recently where Oxford were kind of first or second in terms of all the possession stats last season and Wickham were... 23rd, 24th with all of those. That that to me highlights that you can be successful with any identity, any style of play, but I think you need to have an identity. And I think Ipswich have, have Lambert kind of... That's why during the relegation, I think that there was a lot of hope because around that February, March time, there were a lot of draws, but Ipswich were actually playing some really good football. And I think it was John on Twitter earlier um, who's asked this question was talking about the West Brom game away and how well Nolan played and how well Ipswich played in general. Mm. And Lambert seemed to be sort of very sort of idealistic in how he wanted to play centre back splitting, playing out of the back, high press. And it feels like he's been very quick to kind of abandon those principles and then they've gone a bit more direct at times and they've lost faith in it. I just I just want him to now really stick with it, decide what they want to be and stick with that and pick the players that fit that that style. Okay, John also asks, is, is Honey Badger still even a bit of a thing? Could it ever become a thing again? What is the, or your next thing? I, I, I think, even though I'm the originator of the Honey Badger, I don't think at the moment it is an active thing. I think there's a long way to go for, for Lambo to regain Honey Badger status. It's got to be a very successful start to the season and maybe punching Joey Barton in the face. Then we can, we can talk about that. In terms of the next thing, it's already at the club. He's already at the club. He's a youngster called Ross Crane. Crane... <laughs> Crane kick, the karate kid, uh, Ross Crane. Um, the karate kid? Yeah. Can you not remember the, the crane kick, my friend, from the end of the karate kid? Not seen it. That's the what? 
You've not seen The Karate Kid. You've not seen Back to the Future. There's some huge gaping holes in your cultural knowledge, Hutchie. Anyway, FPL Tractor, he wants to know, what do the lads make of the three championship clubs joining League One next year? He says they all look contenders to me. Um, I kind of, I can kind of see all three of them having real problems. If I'm honest, there's, there's ownership issues at, at all of them, which, um, I do not know what they're going to look like come, come kickoff time, because there's definite issues at Charlton. They may end up changing their manager as well. Bowyer could go elsewhere. Uh, Hull, Hull's drop-off is ridiculous. They're a point outside the playoffs at the start of 2020 and have ended up going down with a, a whimper. And then very sadly, Wigan, clearly a really good football team um, in in the second half of the season, but an absolute mess off it. Yeah. And They're, they're going to get dismantled, aren't they? Their, players, yeah. their best players are going to be sold by the administrators. Um, I think you can get blinded by the names of the football clubs coming down. Wigan, Hull, um, the ones that sometimes you have to be wary of is a, is a team like Rotherham that we saw during the relegation season that they look like a team that would, you know, they know League One, they've got players that are ready for League One, they went down with a bit of a fight and they were the ones that I was wary of last season and um, those are the sort of clubs that just because it's not necessarily a, a name or a, a team that has done something in, in recent years, those are the ones that you have to be more wary of. So, as Andy says, perhaps there's there's an opportunity there with with some of those clubs mm-hmm. because of the state they find themselves in. Yeah, but like Barnsley and Barnsley and Luton would tick that box, wouldn't they? Yeah. The uh, the kind of the Rotherham box. So yeah, I can see it being a good thing for Ipswich that 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 Barnsley scored 90th minute winners two weeks in a row to save themselves, and Luton Nathan Jones has done done brilliantly to go in there and and haul Luton out of it for another year in the Championship. But I think both of them, I would definitely have had them as automatic promotion mm. contenders had they come down. Um, these three, uh, I think at least one of them, you, I think you're looking more, hopefully not, but you're looking more towards the, the Bolton end of the of the spectrum with those. Mm. We shall see. There's, there's five or six questions left, boys. So let's rattle through these. I know it feels like today's been a bit of an epic, but obviously it's the first time we've... Uh, We've chatted for a while. David Farthing wants to know, with concerns over the ability of the manager to motivate this group of players, I think the least the owner should be doing is to put up a not-for-sale notice on our crown jewel players and bite the bullet on any financial hardships. It's the least he can do for loyal fans. So we talked about that a little bit earlier in terms of the price tag on downs potentially being a... It's not going to happen. But, I mean, is that realistic that he'll just say... We're not selling them full stop because the proverbial silly money will still be a, a temptation, won't it? I don't think you can say that at League One level, can you? I think if you're a League One football club or even a Championship football club, you can't. I think you'd be na- naive to just say you're not for sale. Mm. I don't think anyone can say that. Even the top clubs can say that. You still see sort of Ronaldo moving for ridiculous money and stuff like that. Everyone has a price, so it's it's not as simple as that. And uh, I appreciate the sentiment of it's the least he can do for for us fans. Um, he will be doing what's right for the football club and for the finances of, of the football club. Um, what was the other part of the question? That was that was pretty much it, my friend. Not for sale notice. It's the least he can do. Um, yeah. 
I mean, the least he can do is is fund them through a global financial crisis, a time where there's been no income, virtually no income coming through for several months. A man who already puts in, I'm not Marcus Evans' biggest fan by a long stretch, but I think too much emphasis is put on he doesn't put in enough money. And it's for me, the bigger issue is how he's spent that money and the, the, the appointments he's made and the structures that have been put in place behind the scenes. They're, they're a bigger part of the decline as how much money goes in. You know, he's, he's putting in in excess of, I don't know, anywhere between two to six million pounds a year beyond income. You know, that's that's a lot of money. And that that figure will jump up massively this mm. year. So, um it's easy for us just to say spend more spend more um it's it's not as simple as that ian plum this is more of a statement he just says the ability of the itfc team out wide is one of the biggest issues when thinking we've got a chance to get promoted there's no real left back no second choice right back and slim pickings as wingers is very concerning for me um any thoughts on that boys out we've, wide? Not, we've not mentioned Gwion edwards at all in any of yeah. this chat have we <clears throat> no um but, yeah, the, the, there have been issues with wide players for quite some time, I think. It's not a new, that's not a new, a new problem, but it does need, to, does need to be addressed. Isn't it telling that in this entire chat now, I think virtually every position has been floated as needing to be strengthened um, by one of us or one of the listeners at some point? That's, um, that's quite a damning verdict, isn't it, on that? Uh, is it just is it just Vincent Young? Is that the only the only one that hasn't been been brought up in that way? Pretty much, but we've now just had a discussion about you know not having a good enough backup for him as well. So well, I, don't, I I disagree with that. I think I think Janoy Danassian is a perfectly adequate backup backup with a bit of Edwards in there. Now I've, yeah. I've, I'd I'd have no issue with the right back position at all. Ed Barker. Ed Barker's our friend from the Pig Association, Hutchie. Uh, it would be interesting to know what plans there are about the phased return of supporters. Would it be season ticket holders only? And is it practical for a club stadium like, like town? Um, I very much, I've even started thinking about this, boys. I mean, I imagine it would have to be season ticket first, wouldn't it? They don't know how many they're allowed in into the ground yet. It's not going to be kind of a one size. You're allowed, tw- you're allowed 30% to all yeah. stadiums every ground is going to have its own capacity number um and it doesn't sound like Stu does it that there's that number is going to be higher than the eight and a half thousand renewed season ticket holders so i yeah i can't see i can't see it being anything other than season ticket holders the question is whether whether it's all of them or mm-hmm. some kind of some kind of round robin yeah, they um, talked about a ballot, haven't they? Um, potentially having a ballot at uh, not just I'm not talking about Ipswich. I haven't heard that regarding Ipswich, but just that's been floated by sort of Premier League clubs and things that you'd have to kind of find a fair way of uh, deciding which of your season ticket holders get to come in. But I mean, hopefully, from an Ipswich point of view, you might be only talking about a couple of games um, in in that sort of September period. I wonder if. I don't even know if this will be feasible, but the fact that Ipswich lost out on five home games at the back end of last season, whether that will kind of 
they'll be seen favourably in terms of maybe giving them more away games at the start of next season so that they kind of make that a little bit fairer. I don't even know. There's so many things that have to go into those fixture algorithms. I don't even know if that, that will be possible, but um, that would seem a fair way to do it because some clubs only lost a couple of home games and it's someone like Ipswich lost lost five. What, whatever they end up doing, it's an absolutely mammoth task for the football club to work this out because there are some areas of the stadium that are going to be particularly hard to do like the middle I think the middle tier of the what I what I have to call the Britannia stand which has been the pioneer stand and also the co-op stand and the west stand the middle tier of that is particularly tight in terms of the way that the seats are kind of stacked in um the lower tiers of those two side stands as well. It's not it's not going to be as simple as just leaving two seats between you and your next the next fan as well. And then there's food and drink. Are they allowed to serve any of that? Do, are people for once in a lifetime allowed to bring their own food and drink into football grounds? Will there be bars set up outside? Um, one way systems around the stadium in like staggered entry times where you're asking people to turn up at half past one for kickoff uh, to kind of get people in at a distance from each other. It's a, it's a minefield and there's an an awful lot of work going on at the football club to try and make it, make it happen. Mm. The pin. Is it, is he friend of the show? Did he get stripped of the status? I can't remember what was. No, no, no. He's still a very much a friend of the show. He got got suspended, didn't he? That's right. Was there a suspension? I think there was a five-game ban, wasn't there? Um, What was that for? Something to do with Yorkshire pudding, wasn't it? (laughs) I can't remember, but he definitely definitely deserved it. Anyway, he is still a friend of the show. And this is a statement. It's not a question. He just says, is there anything to suggest we'll do any better this season? No. Nothing has changed. In fact, we're in a worse position now than we were before last season. It's utterly shambolic, but I love you guys. Hashtag turmoil. And we love you too, Pin. Hopefully, Town will give you something to, to smile about this season. Will Airy, of all those where we can, in quotes, see a player there, but haven't shown it yet, no, Nolan, Dazelle, etc., Who's going to have the best season? Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, players who have maybe flattered to deceive, but you can and, you can come up with an argument that we've we've seen glimpses to know that there's a player in there. Exactly. Um, Nolan, I would probably say because I think Lambert likes him, and I think uh, if he's given it, they've given him a new contract, which would suggest that that he'll get some runner games. And I think if you gave him a settled run, I think he could be the one that shows there is, inverted commas, a player there. Yeah, I, really, I really like John Nolan. Um, yeah. But when you heard Paul Lambert and all of his staff last season talking about players who were struggling to deal with the expectancy, the, the big crowds, the that kind of thing, I think he was the poster boy for that um and i could i could see the current circumstances of maybe starting off behind closed doors then moving into into smaller crowds i could i could see that being a real positive for him mm. because there because there is a player there um 
I can also see this being the year where Andre Dezel gets a significant amount of football. Um, then it's up to him to then it's up to him to make the most of it, and I, I don't know which way that will go. And the other one I'd throw in the mix is Teddy Bishop. I, I've got no doubt that he would make a huge difference, but as always, there is the caveat of will, will he stay fit? And the answer has has been no for for too long now. And um, but there's no doubting. I think there's no doubting that if you look at the periods where he's been fit, he he makes a difference mm. to the to the team. If Teddy if Teddy Bishop's fit, I I would be starting him every every week. But like you say, it's, it, he just hasn't been, and he he has said it himself before the start of the last two seasons, and he's 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 in no doubt in his own mind that he knows that he has to do it on the pitch. He's had managers tell him that. He's had Luke Chambers tell him that publicly that it's time it's time for him to time for him to really show it. And I I just I just really hope for him that he gets the chance to do that because I think he's a really, really good football player and, and some of the things he's had to deal with has, have been cruel. Final two questions. It feels like we've been talking for about two hours. I know it's been a bit of an epic, but um, we want to get everyone in. Sindre Eliasson, our, our Viking friend, says, being a journalist myself, and I didn't realise you were, Sindre, but um, good to have you on board as a fellow journalist. He says, I've sometimes been procrastinating stuff and end up leaving it late. Therefore, I end up publishing material I know is shit, but I'm often left with no other choice. Can you remember a particular article slash story you've done that has been awful and you knew it the moment you published it? <laughs> Good question. I think we have these fears about pretty much everything we're publishing during this, um, yeah. this current situation because there's no getting away from it. Every day is a slow news day, boy. <laughs> um, and we are we are in the business of uh, stretching stuff, are we not? Star, yeah. I've said to Andy many a times that we could make a piece out of this, and I could probably sum up this piece in 140 characters on Twitter, but instead I'm going to stretch it out to 800 words to fill a double-page spread for the newspaper. <laughs> and uh, I know that, I know you can see straight through us. But I just hope that you uh, that you have some sympathy and appreciation for uh, the position that we're in. Yeah, it, I mean, obviously there are times when you, we we publish stuff which is tenuous with a with a fairly capital T. Um, but we do have literally our job is to keep generating content, uh, and when there's nothing going on, we still have to generate content as we have been since March, of course. So there are times I would never say I've published something which I thought was shit, but certainly stuff which is tenuous, but then these things do get really well read generally. So it's one of those things, isn't it, Hutchie? What, what do you say about that? I just hope this football season starts on September the 12th, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all I, that's all I hope. Final question, which has come via email. and I want to get this in because it's a first-time contact from one of our listeners. It's important to give him a big up. Here we go. It's from a guy called Jimmy Bell. He says, long-time KOA listener, first-time contributor. He wants to make two points. He says, interesting recent article on transfer targets. Um, I assume that's yours, Stu. He says, need a striker, centre-back, full-back and flying winger. Feels like deja vu. It's the same issue every year. An indictment of the club's transfer policy, perhaps, but ignores the area I come away moaning about after every game. For years, we've lacked a centre midfielder who has got the ability and confidence in their own ability to take the ball off the defence and carry it. 
To create space in a congested midfield, you need to play an incisive pass. He says only Scoos and Dazelle can. Pass and move. Most of our players are stationary after they give it. Or move with the ball to draw a man. No one does this. I fear next season will be more of the same if we don't address this. Um, so do you want to take that one first? Because there are two parts to this question. So the need for a midfielder who can take the ball off defence, create passes and, and draw a man. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, I think we touched on, on that already, haven't we? Um, they won't sign a central midfielder because they've got tons of them already. Um, but have they got the answer within house? Um, tentatively, yes. But will they find the right blend and the right chemistry and stick with them? I, I have doubts. There's also, I think the temptation to rotate will be massive this year because it's going to be a, a shortened season. And they're going to be a lot of games coming thick and fast. We're going to have Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. And that might be an excuse for Lambert to kind of uh, rotate the life out of certainly the, mid the midfield again. Um, mm. that, that is a worry. Kutch, you get part two then. Part two is, um, Jimmy says, I've never been part of the Evans out brigade as I don't see who would replace him. And he keeps putting money in. But there was a point raised in the Shane Supple interview. That's the, the Ross Meat series we've been putting out that shifted my view of him a bit. He said that within a couple of years of joining, the culture of the club changed from that of a family club to a place you didn't want to be. Unfortunately, it wasn't explored too much, but the suggestion was it wasn't just because of Roy Keane. Do the boys think this has been addressed since? So the Marcus Evans effect in terms of changing the, the feel of the club, Hutchie, is that, a, is that a fair comment, do you think? Um, I think it's hard to be a family if the you know if the father's working away and is <laughs> and is kind of an absent an absent father still very much married to the mother but um part of <clears throat> working away a lot has other projects and stuff and I I, th I think that has to have had an impact when you when if you say you're working at the club and you never see your boss never hear from the boss that certainly wasn't how Ipswich Town was under the Cobolds and uh, latterly when David Sheepshanks was the um, David Sheepshanks was the the chairman. So that's that's got to be that's got to be very different. And and if you if you I guess if you're working for someone that you don't know you don't have a relationship with because there aren't that many people at the club that would have a you know a personal relationship with Marcus Evans and that and that includes. You know some players and staff members and and behind the scenes people as well. It's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to feel kind of like you're all working towards the same thing. Um, I agree with the very first part of that question in that I, I'm I certainly wouldn't be part of any kind of Evans out brigade if that if that's the way to call it because he's keeping the club he's keeping the club going and I and you have to. You have to acknowledge that. That's fair. You have to acknowledge that. But in terms of it being a family club, it doesn't. Maybe it's because maybe it's because I do the job that I do now, and I was younger before. But it, it from the outside looking at it, it doesn't seem like the the place that it used to be. Because when when I was younger and and watching the team, you just assumed that everybody that worked there absolutely loved it, and. Mm. And maybe maybe that was just me being a younger a younger person. Maybe I was a bit naive to the world of work at that stage at like thirteen or fourteen. But 
you just assume that everybody absolutely loved their job. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's an it's an interesting one. I, I, you know, we're, we're maybe not the best qualified people to answer it. It's the the people that have have been there through that change. Um, but yeah, it's certainly an interesting one. Nice one, Jimmy. He adds, love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Jimmy. We love you too. Uh, boys, it's been something of an epic today. What's what's the current runtime, Hutchie? One hour, 31 minutes. Oh, it's 38 long. 38 seconds. It's long. Friends, I hope you, you'll put up with a, an extra long one from us today, uh, so to speak. That's what she said, etc. Um, it has been a while since we've been all together and able to talk. Boys, we better think about heading off and, and doing some work. I'm going to spend the afternoon trying to find pictures for exclusive news this the Ipswich Town sticker book which is coming out we're producing um should hopefully be out mid-November um and it's proving to be already the bane of my life trying to find pictures um of of kits and iconic moments and and games that our archive frankly isn't set up to to find um I can reveal exclusively on this pod there's going to be 20 gold shiny stickers as part of this sticker book and the first shiny sticker is going to be Stuart Watson. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's going to be. It's going to be Kevin Beatty. Um, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a shiny head. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be Kevin Beatty. So uh, I'll drop in the shinies as, as we as we progress. And um, that's going to be really good uh, coming out, as I say, in November. Uh, boys, what have you got on on the? Uh, on plan this weekend have you got any uh, any big plans have you have you made it out to a pub or restaurant or anything yet went to nando's in birmingham last week yes it was all right it was all right were you sitting yeah. out were you sitting outside or no no i was inside was how, right. how, how was your experience yeah was it track and trace and um yeah, but it's all it's all done via apps and stuff. It's it's all right. It's um, it's fine. I think the staff were a bit flustered, but um, mm. no, it's all right. I've been to four pubs so far, sitting outside. There's nothing like having a, a cold pint outside on a sunny day. It's been beautiful to to have that. Stewie, how about yourself? You got any plans? Um, yeah, we got a couple of little family outings and stuff. Got um. It's boring. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's my mum's birthday, and we're going to go over there. So there nice. you go. There you go. I hope you have a I hope you have a good time. Um, any other business, boys? Before I run through the usual spiel. No other business. No other business. Superb. Um, as I say, it has been an epic today. So hopefully you have enjoyed it uh, and haven't turned off after after an hour or even less. Um, hopefully we've entertained you. It feels like it has been a long one. Um, so yeah, followers are on all our social medias: Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Kings of Anger. Also, leave us a five star review on iTunes. We've not had one of those for a while. That really helps us with visibility in the charts. Um, yeah, maybe get yourself off to a, a beer garden this weekend. Get the old earphones in, sit there, have a pint, support your local business uh, and support the Kings of Anglia podcast because it is magnificent, let's be honest. Um, Have a fantastic week and we'll speak to you again next time. From true crime to football, Brexit to Oakville, more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.
channel slash audio.